Hello. Welcome, friends. It's a beautiful evening. I am doing my best to just enjoy it in peace and quiet. I've been thinking about where I'm going. I've been thinking about what I want to do. Because there are, in fact, many things I would like to do. I want to tell more stories in different ways. I want to listen. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to speak, to sing, to celebrate, to weep. I want to be free. A ridiculous thing to say, because the only thing causing me not to be free, ever, at all times, is, of course, myself. The winter is ending soon. I can either find myself unprepared for the spring, when the world will wake up again. I can either be weak and tired and unready, once again, as I was last time, lulled into the trap of hibernation, finding the inertia of leaving it unbearably heavy. Or, I can be a part of it, and grow, and blossom like the leaves on the trees. I can sing out and make things like everything else does in springtime as I have the complete and utter desire to do. The thing that makes me feel trapped and vulnerable and useless when I am unprepared. I have been asleep for long enough. This world is just as important as the other one. Never mind which is which. I would like to be awake in both. I would like to weave magic in both, too. I asked my cards long ago where this path was taking me, that I am on, in this forest that you find yourself visiting right now. Why am I here? Where am I going? What ought I do here in this magical place, this very imaginary and very real place? And my cards told me, the magician. And indeed, I want to be the magician. And I believe that I have the power to be that strong, that creative, as do we all. For we all have the capacity for every single tarot card within us. I cannot repeat it often enough. But, what is the next step? I asked it of my tarot cards again this week, realizing that we have only fifteen stories left in these woods. As I thought it, the wind shook the branches, and it was a warm wind, not a vengeful one. Gently it shook my matted hair, tangled with leaves and branches and earth and flowers, 
a mess of nature and sprouts and possibility and me. A springtime wind blowing through my woods as the sunset fell on my face and I thought, well, this is really quite nice. I am ready to change again. I am ready to become something spectacular. I have rested enough. What is next on my path to the magician? I asked my tarot cards. And I began to shuffle there on the ground, sitting cross-legged and with my spine straight, so that I too could feel like a tree. And perhaps so that the trees might perceive me as one of them, and then lend their own magic to my reading this night. I was shuffling very carefully and confidently, and then it happened. Two cards flew from my hand, together, almost as though attached to an invisible string that was yanked by an invisible hand, and they fell right before me, right on top of each other, quite perfectly. Are these my cards, I wondered. I have never drawn two at once to inspire a story. But they had come out so deliberately and so carefully. Sometimes I feel these are accidents, these little slips. This did not feel like an accident. These two are my cards, I thought to myself. I had felt them pulled out of my hand, as though by a spirit, by some force, even if it was my own. These are my cards for this week. I turned them over and clasped a hand to my mouth when I saw what they were. The devil reversed. And death. I have never dealt myself a clearer hand than this. I knew immediately what it meant. The devil reversed is the freeing of oneself from addiction. It is the need to detach from whatever it is holding you down, keeping you trapped. And only you can do the releasing, for only you are the one keeping yourself imprisoned. And then death is an ending, surely, just as I mentioned my time in these woods will end soon. It is change, the need for an old self to die away so that a new self can be reborn. And in that way, the death card is also growth and transformation. These two cards, one after the other, told me, screamed at me practically, that I must release myself from habits that imprison me in order to grow into the magician that I desire to be, that I intend to be that I am destined to be. I am not flattering myself. We can all be this. It is just difficult to believe. 
I know what I must do. I know what I must release. I know what addictions, what habits, what self-forged chains I must break. Do you? Either way, here's to you, and to me, and to achieving the not impossible. I have a story, a story with a new character, and an old one, one I haven't spoken of, or two for that matter, in some time. Let's see. Once upon a time, there was a girl. As a child, she had been very happy, for she had been very free indeed, playing in the grass, her knees muddy, her skirt stained green, and not a care in the world. Clever too she was, and a little mischievous, and playful and silly and passionate and strange and all the things children feel they can be. For a time. But after a few years, she began to notice something. A certain weight on her shoulders. The strangest kind of feeling. As though something were pressing down. Two hands on each shoulder pressing down, 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 keeping her in place. She went to play in the rain one evening, for there was a little rainstorm, and though she had been told to stay inside, she wanted to feel it on her face. You can't do that, she heard a little voice in her right ear say. She stopped in her tracks. What on earth? You can't do that. The neighbors will think you're being very odd, and they already do, and your parents don't like that. Goodness, what a strange little voice. But it had a point. She suddenly felt a little bashful. No, you should do it. She heard another voice say in her left ear, a different voice. You should go in the rain, and not only that, you should go next door to the old lady next door's apple tree, and you should eat every last apple. She wasn't hungry, though. Or was she? Perhaps she was very hungry, actually. And if she didn't eat all the apples now, while everyone else was hiding inside from the rain... When would she have the chance to work such mischief again? And she suddenly felt very wicked and needy for those delicious red apples. Don't you dare, the other voice whispered. You can't have any of them. Not even one. Go, eat every single one, the other one said. That lady is mean and old and she barely has strength to make any pies with them anymore. What will mother and father think if you did that? Haven't you upset them enough this week? The voices argued, not with each other, but rather at her. And suddenly she felt very confused, 
very guilty, very awful, very strange. So she just stayed inside. As she grew older, the voices remained. In fact, they grew more and more loud and insistent with every passing year. She would feel she wanted to do something. One time, she wanted to sing and dance for her family, at an event where everyone was celebrating together. She felt happy, and so she felt the urge to sing a little song she had been holding in her heart for a long time. No, no, don't do that, the one voice said. They will not like that you are seeking attention. It is not your birthday, and even if it was, no one likes a show-off. What are you thinking? Ah, but you do deserve the attention. All of it. You must demand it. The other voice argued. Scream, stomp, laugh, mock your sisters, curse your uncles and aunts, stake your claim. And as the two voices went on and on and on, and she found herself sitting, exhausted from doing nothing, at the dinner table, if she hadn't been so distracted by them, she might have seen everyone around her looking quite concerned at her silent sullenness. The voices went on and on about other things, too. Worse things as she entered adulthood, for we have more things available at our fingertips as we age, do we not? Don't eat that. It's not good for you. Oh, eat no, all no, of it. Don't drink Take that. Take all of it for yourself while you can. Do not what say you what you are thinking, about. Drink or what you are thinking think is strange if you don't, and probably wrong You'll be anyway. strange if you don't. You're bad, say you're everything being bad, you and you're to, being wrong to everyone at all times. Terrible and they cruel. have no thoughts in their own head worth You're the only one who knows what is right. You're the only one with feelings this immense and intense. The voices became so strong, so dreadful, that she almost couldn't take it anymore. So one night, as lightning flashed outside her window and thunder rolled from miles and miles away, she lit a candle in her otherwise pitch-black bedroom, and she sat in front of a mirror. She closed her eyes, and she breathed deeply. She didn't quite know that she was a witch, this girl, but she did not know what else to do about these voices so she thought that perhaps addressing them directly might not be unwise. She felt quite silly as she did it. She worried that if anyone saw her, they might lock her away, or call her names, or think she was more of a failure than she already feared they believed her to be. But she had to do it anyway. Show yourself, she demanded of the voices. And dimly, in the mirror, she began to see something. Growing ever clearer the longer she stared. Behind her right shoulder, there was a creature, poised right at her ear. A thing wreathed in golden light with golden eyes that shone so brightly she almost couldn't keep looking into them for the way that they burned. 
Its eyebrows were curved in a strange kind of judgment, of fear, of utter criticism and anxiety. And two hands with long, elegant fingers rested on her right shoulder, and claws dug so deep into her that she couldn't see where the fingernails began. Its mouth was wide open, white light pouring out of it, and the whispers continued, even though its awful lips did not move, and one enormous white wing sprung from its back, crooked, curving inward, trying to reach for her right arm, trying to hold her back, pin her down, keep her in place. It looked like an angel. She thought for a moment it might be. And we know that not all angels are good, whatever good means, or whatever angel means for that matter. But she did not believe that it was an angel. And behind her left shoulder, poised right at this ear, was another creature, surrounded by shadow, like a fog, like smoke was coming off it, and with eyes that were red like the fires of hell. They shone just as brightly as the so-called angel's eyes, and she found it difficult to look into them too. Its eyebrows arched in cruel laughter, in awful, selfish glee, nothing but meanness and pettiness about it, and hunger, oh, an awful kind of hunger, a hunger that delights only in satiating itself and no one else. Its bloody hands had its claws in her left shoulder, just like its counterpart, and it too had its hold deep on her, deep into her bones even. Its mouth was curved into a terrible grin, held open wide to black smoke vomiting forth from its gullet. And it too whispered, awful things, awful terrible things. One enormous red leathery wing came from its back, like a dragon's wing, with sharp claws at its joints reaching out, not at her, but at anyone who dared to come close to her, fighting them off or grabbing at them for its own purposes. It looked, of course, like a demon, like a devil, and she thought for a moment it might be, and in my stories anyway, we know that not all demons are bad, whatever bad means, or whatever demon means for that matter. But if the other thing was not necessarily an angel, then she logically and correctly presumed that this thing was not necessarily a demon. But whatever these two things that had their hooks in her were, she was terrified of them, and she was sick of their whispering. She did not want to be theirs. She wanted to be her own. 
so she packed a small bag and left a little loving note for her family. Though the right-shoulder creature told her they'd hate her no matter what she did and would never accept her again, and the left-shoulder creature told her to steal their money and wine and food on her way out and leave insults in the note. But she knew better. And she went on a journey. For many days and many nights she traveled. It was cold. It was difficult. It was scary. There were wild animals that stalked her. There were strangers on the road who did not seem friendly. The sky was gray and wild and her feet ached. And worst of all, the whispers of her shoulder angel and shoulder demon kept going on and on and on. You don't know what you're doing. Back. Follow that this person. Is foolish. Take Stay their away from, from that person. Don't ask them for help. Take their drink. yourself. They want to hurt you. Everyone wants to they hurt hate you. you. You want you to hurt them. everyone. They Where should be afraid going? of you. Who do you think you what are? What are you doing? Want take, want take, want take. Me have, me have, me have. You can't you work can't without function. all of it. You without don't. And the voices were telling lies. But it didn't quite seem so. It did seem she wanted much for she had become accustomed to certain things. We all have little things, or big things, that we think we need to go on. We all have habits, harmless habits when they're little, devastating when they're big, that we think we can never be free of. We all desire validation at all times, that we are not bad, that we are in fact very, very good, that we are doing right. And guess what? We cannot have that. Not at all times. At night they didn't keep her company, her shoulder angel and shoulder demon. They did not find her food or shelter or water. She did, though. Her gut instinct. Her primal soul. She began to make her own quiet, even when those voices in her ears were too loud. She learned how to hum so loudly, to sing so sweetly, to talk to herself so thoroughly, that it drowned out how loudly they called to her. And though they screamed all the louder for being ignored, she became skilled at simply saying, Very well. Fine, fine, calm down, we need to do this now, and move on. Just for now, just to survive, just until she found herself where she needed to be, which was in front of a little cottage, on a snowy evening, though beasts with snapping jaws and red eyes and sharp teeth hid around her, waiting to pounce. They seemed to fear this place, and she knocked on the door. Just a moment, she heard a voice say from within, and the sound of a woman, the shuffling of drawers opening, fabric rustling, fire crackling, 
the smell of cooked onions and garlic over a fire. Yes, this was the place. The girl with the things on her shoulders knew, suddenly. She hadn't known until now, but this was the place she had been looking for this entire time. And the door opened to a warm orange glow. And a woman, the girl couldn't tell quite how old she was, with fabric wrapped around her eyes and a large wooden staff in her hands that she leaned her weight against, met her at the door. She didn't know her name, the girl, but we know that this was the not-mother, she who sees without seeing and knows all without needing to speak it. She took the mantle from the one before her, a wise old woman who had helped her out after a terrible scourge had taken over the land, and she had given her the gift of seeing and knowing, just as surely someone else had done before that. We need teachers in this world. We need those who understand the nature of needing, wanting, taking, and the virtue of seeing, knowing, listening, and changing, creating. Come in, she said, and motioned for the girl to enter. Sit by the fire. The girl obeyed. The woman walked a circle around the seated girl. You've come a long way to find me, haven't you? She said, and the girl nodded. The woman took her stick and gently nudged the girl's shoulders one at a time. To do something about this, say? Eh? The girl nodded again. The woman with the blindfold continued to assess, to appraise, the situation the other girl had found herself in. The woman sat in front of her, quite close. She furrowed her brow and frowned a little. They're quite quiet now. Can you tell? She whispered. When the girl nodded, she continued. Do you think it is because they are afraid of me? The girl thought for some time, and then said, bravely, Truthfully? No. The woman with the blindfold grinned, a most mischievous, most devilish, bewitching grin. Oh, most perplexing. Why, then, do you think they are so quiet? The girl, for the first time in days, weeks, maybe even months, who knows, maybe even a year, grinned, too, with that same mischief she'd felt with her muddy knees when she was a child. I think they are afraid of me. The other woman nodded. Because you came here to me. To survive, I'm sure you must have shut them up quite nicely on your own. Yes. Yes, I think I did, the girl said, 
smiling persistently. Smiling again. What a feeling. Good girl, the woman with the blindfold said. And then she removed it. The other girl was surprised to see the woman's eyes full of stars, of complete galaxies, full of absolutely everything there ever was. But I am not. It never surprises me, because of course everything is within her. We all contain everything, just as everything contains us. And with those galaxies and universes and stars and planets and suns and apocalypses and multiple dawns of time in her eyes, she looked over the girl's right shoulder, right into the burning golden eyes of the one masquerading as an angel. Both women heard the sound of weeping and wailing as she placed her hand over this one's claws, still digging into the girl's flesh. She turned her head slowly and looked over the girl's left shoulder, right into the burning red eyes of the one masquerading as a demon. Both women heard the sound of roaring and hissing as she placed her other hand over this creature's claws. An outsider might have walked in and just seen a woman with her hands placed over another woman's shoulders. But these two knew better. Quickly, she began to weave a spell with words. Expectation, addiction, withholding, indulging, self-hate, self-centeredness, creatures of distraction, creatures of wanting, creatures of this world and only this world. I will unbind you. And when I unbind you, daughter of the earth, you will be home again. All of you, your whole self, will be home. And she worked her magic with a song, with a spell song for undoing things that have tied themselves up in us so thoroughly that we think we cannot live without them, even if we think they are the voices of reason, or our own true voices. No, no, no.
and the shrieking of the two creatures, with their bloody claws and their howling mouths and their burning eyes, began to shrink, smaller and smaller and smaller, until they were so tiny that the Nut Mother was able to catch them up in a tiny glass locket. The girl's shoulders felt so light, and without that nagging, that dreadful whispering, those insulting little words, she felt... Yes, she felt at home again. She stretched her shoulders, and she could see them, just as the not-mother could, blindfold and all. Her own wings sparkling and magical and changing color constantly, like a butterfly's. They were just whispers, the whole time, just little whispers in her ear. But they had held her down very badly. She had known they were there her whole life. It just took a great leap of faith, faith in herself, to finally get them gone. Well, not gone entirely. The Not Mother dangled the little locket in her hand. Would you like to keep them? She offered. Why on earth would I keep them? The girl asked as the two little terrors shrieked and shouted and banged their teeny-tiny fists against the glass, to no avail. The not-mother held them up to inspect them. Well, there was a time when they meant well, you see. They thought they were loving you in the best way they could. They came from somewhere. Probably from you. And if you don't remember them... Worse may come back to get its claws into you. And the girl looked over to the corner where the woman had a little glass display case where little tiny terrors by the dozen existed. One for fear, one for greed, one for jealousy, one for hunger, one for sadness, one for forgetting, one for pushing feelings down one for seeking validation from others, one for wanting to be the best, one for wanting to be the worst, one for drink, one for smoke, one for oversleep, one for forbidding sleep, one for... You understand, right? One for everything that ever weighed the not-mother down. She was not perfect. But they were not raging. They were sitting in their little glass dollhouse, sipping tea with each other, quite tame now. The not-mother waved at them, and dozens of little tiny terrors waved back, quite adorably. We all get along quite nicely now she said, and handed the locket to the girl, who sighed 
and put it carefully around her neck, so that she might never forget how badly she had let her fear of other people's expectations and her greed and overindulgence get the better of her. And eventually the three of them made friends with each other too. She felt she was at home with herself once more. She began her journey home. And she resumed her old joys. Dancing in the rain. Singing to her friends and family. Being clever and silly and mischievous and playful and all the things that children of all ages should feel they can be. Perhaps she didn't yet know what she wanted to do. Or maybe she knew she just wanted to do everything. And now that she was finally home again, she could go anywhere she liked. I have creatures on my shoulders too. I am trying to make them smaller and smaller, too. Because, if I do, the transformation will be easier. And when I transform, I wonder what I will be. The truth is, it is happening now. It is an undertaking not an event, and I have begun the undertaking. The devil has been reversed. Death has begun her transformation. I had to choose both cards this week. I had to do it, you understand. The cards screamed. I had to listen. Good night, my friends. Excuse my pontificating. It is just another tiny demon on my shoulder I carry with me. I am trying to make it smaller, too. I hope it helped, though. Have very sweet dreams and very light shoulders. Hi everyone, and thank you so much for listening to episode 185 of On a Dark, Cold Night. This is your podcaster, host, narrator, writer, composer, etc., Kristen Zaza. I hope your march has been lovely so far. I believe we're experiencing what we in Canada often refer to as false spring. While it's been nice, I'm certain we have second winter yet to come, but we'll see, won't we? Sending lots of thanks to my supporters on Patreon. Thank you so much for all that you do, my friends. If you'd like to support the show in this way, you can learn more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Basically, every supporter of $1 or more a month receives access to my ever-evolving soundtrack of On a Dark Cold Night, while every supporter of $5 or more a month gets that, as well as access to a tarot reading I perform and upload on every full moon. 
Again, you can learn more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you'd prefer to donate one time only, you can do so through donating metaphorical coffees at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. And we also have t-shirts and hoodies available for purchase at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. I also want to send thanks to a couple people who left reviews for the show on iTunes. Sending big thanks to listener ASWQLKOP in Canada, and to listener Zanmik in the US for rating and reviewing. I really appreciate that, friends. And if you listening are enjoying what I do as well, head on over and leave the show a rating and review wherever you like to do so. You can follow me on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or on my Facebook or YouTube pages called On A Dark Cold Night or on TikTok at Kristen Zaza. Thank you so very much for listening tonight, my friends. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care, both of yourself and the little monsters you carry around with you. Maybe taking care of them, giving them a little attention and a little love even, helps them not grow so big and terrible. I'm not sure. I'm working on it myself. Sweet dreams, everyone. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.